0: Up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. You are your today, you are today, and you are today where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. Welcome to Tony's Tech Side. I'm here every weekday from 9 a.m. West African time till midday. I stream live stream actually on www.africatechradio.com every weekday yes 9 a.m till midday if you're listening to this as a podcast well welcome to tony's tech side still so i've actually thought about people who do not wake up on the right side of the bed and i'm like i found a way to help you out listen any day you feel like you wake up and it feels like you don't you don't you didn't wake up on the right side of the bed Okay, I'm going to walk you through a routine. Listen carefully and practice. That's the most important thing. Practice it every day. So if you don't wake up on the right of the bed, you know, just go back to your bed. Yeah, go back. Yeah, you've done that. You've gone back to your bed. Yes, go back. Go back. Lie like lie down. Like yes, take that position of lying down. Close your eyes. Pretend as if you're asleep. Yes, it's really important. And then after doing that, turn to your right. Ensure that you're turning to your right, not to your left, to your right. Yeah? Have you done that? Now wake up. Perfect. You have successfully woken up on the right side of the bed. Now go forth into the day and conquer. Yes, we'll learn a tech word today and then... We would look at the most important and juiciest tech stories impacting the continent of Africa to keep you informed. You can share your stories with the rest of us and your thoughts on WhatsApp, text or send a voice note, 0913-558-1766, 913 558 558 five, six, six, at 234 if you're texting from outside Nigeria. Our tech word for today is sandbox. Yes, yeah, so you know sandbox as a box where you know it's like sand and then children can like play in it. Yeah, so. In tech, in business, and things related to computing, Sandbox is more like a place to run a program for testing and experimenting in software development. And it's the testing environment that isolates untested code changes and and experimentation. Now, this protects the live servers and their data from changes that could be damaging. Now, so it's just a testing environment where new or untested software coding can be run securely so so that it can access only certain resources programs and files within a computer system in business usually it's a non-production environment that's called a sandbox so it's just a place where you test things safely explore learn demo develop and test a service without the risk of affecting the data and the settings on your production environment and did you know yes that the average person spends two hours and 27 minutes on social media every day and it's estimated that 200 million over 200 million people worldwide are addicted to social media it's we cannot say it's like based on clinical psychology, right? But then psychologists have come out to say that there might be a thing, may, may just be a thing called social media addiction disorder. All right. I hope that I, hope I got that right because I'm not a psychologist. But you can ask your psychologist. It's not in the rubrics yet. It's not, you know, enthroned in, you know, the big books of psychology yet. But just ask yourself these six questions. One. Do I spend a lot of time thinking about social media or planning to use social media? Two, do you feel the urge, do I feel the urge to use social media more and more? Do I use social media to forget about personal problems, my personal problems? Do I often try to reduce the use of social media without success? Do I become restless or troubled if I'm unable to use social media? Do I use social media so much that it has had a negative impact on my job or my studies one time or another. If you say yes to more than three of these questions, well, you may just have something called social media addiction. And I hope that you can seek therapy or you can see a psychologist or you can start, you know, disengaging a little bit, little by little from social media. And by that way, you know, find a way around it. African heads of states and presidents and governments are seeking investment from foreigners. There are a couple of things happening on the continent. But we'll start in Nigeria, where the new president of Nigeria, Bola Ahmed Tunobu has been moving from country to country in the past few days or weeks, seeking partnerships, seeking investments, and trying to get the global community to buy into the vision that he has brought into office. But I will start with the NCC in Nigeria saying that the Telecom Investments in the country rose from 38 billion to 77 billion by the second quarter of the year 2023 that's q 2 2023 the commission the ncc in nigeria said that telecom sector contributed 16 percent to the country's gross domestic product gdp during the period two that's the second quarter of the year 2023 and these were according to calculations made by the country's bureau of statistics the nbs From about 8% contribution to GDP in 2015 to now 16% in 2023. That's about eight years now. And this is politically, it's two terms, four years, four years. And I think it's a good one. And the positive impacts of all aspects of the co- com- the economy, especially as it concerns IT, the contribution of IT generally to Nigeria's GDP is, is something that should be praised and is something that should be talked about in uh, good terms. And we want to say well done to the chairman of the NCC, Nigeria, that's uh, Umar Dambata. Now, something else that struck my attention also that's important to note that's happening in Nigeria is the Revenue Mobilization Allocation and Fiscal Commission, the RMAFC, saying that it developed a software to enhance transparency in revenue in revenue generation and sharing among the three tiers of governments. This has been an issue for a while. Some people complain of not... Like, some people say that the system is rigged, right? Why would the, the national body be getting a particular, you know, percentage? And the states and the local governments where things are supposed to be happening in real time get, like, the least and sometimes even gets held up by the state government. And that's, like, a totally different conversation. But the chairman of the Revenue Mobilization Allocation and fiscal commission in nigeria muhammad shehu said that the software would help the commission perform one of its major functions of reviewing the revenue allocation formula for the entire federation from time to time so there's something called vertical revenue allocation formula you know who gets what percentage federal state or local government this, there's also horizontal formula, you know, how do you share that percentage among the states and the local governments? This means that you have to consider things like population, school enrollments, land mass hospital beds. These are just a few of the in- indices that are being considered. Previously, what they used to do was request for required information manually. These things, these indices, they request for these things manually and then go and do the inspection manually too. And this is what Mr. Shiro, uh, you know, said. And getting information from relevant agencies like the Office of the Statistician General, of the Federation, and National Boundary Commission was just something they, you know, they usually do. But what the software will do now is that states and local governments will impute the required data into the system. They all have a passcode, and they would just impute the the numbers into the system, and then they would get it you know, at the office of the RMAFC, mm-hmm. And in terms of, so, so when they collect this data, you know, they analyze it and also send people, the team members, to verify the data, the information that have been imputed online. Then I agree on how the horizontal formula will be. Now, in terms of revenue generation, the commission was also trying to build a data bank whereby it could monitor revenue generating agencies. This is a very, that's a major issue. Now monitoring revenue generating agencies also means that their processes have to somehow be digitized. Because if they are not digitized, you cannot monitor what is manual digitally. Because it's you're literally just spending money on softwares and spending money on, you know, that digital uptake and you know everything is still happening manually. So, if this happens, we'll also most likely see the shift from manual to digital. It might take a long time, but that shift will surely happen. Now, the federal government in Nigeria and the subnational governments are, you know, concerned of how to make more revenue by blocking leakages. I've said this before. In Lagos, for example, there was a report that, you know, of the amount that, you know, people spend on transportation in public transports so like public you know buses and whatnot in a day and it was mind-blowing think someone said if you were spending this much money how much of it you know is you know taxable right how much of it actually goes to the covers of the government you know and why is Lagos not making as much as this now that's a, a totally different conversation but technology will save a lot of time and instead of going through a lot of documents, you know, you can digitally do that to you know AI, ensure that the process goes that way. And also help them cut down a lot of leakages. You know, if you can monitor the revenue coming in, you know, monitor that revenue generation, right? And then monitor the process of sending this information to the general body where everything is being collated it would be a lot more easier to determine who actually is contributing and generating revenue and who isn't and where revenue should be put into and revenue shouldn't be put into i must commend the rmafc although this you know it's just the first step and this first step is just digitizing the process of information gathering um, from the state government and, you know, maybe the local government. But then it's at least a step forward. That's the most important thing. Now, what happens with the other steps? How are we going to be addressing the other steps? What is the next step that will happen? What will happen next? Now, moving straight up to Dr. Tijani Bosun, who has attracted a lot of admiration from Nigerians at home and abroad since his appointment as minister. He has also put at the top of his agenda, you know, positioning Nigeria at the nexus of tech innovation and sustainable development. I I must commend him for that. He's also been dropping updates on his social media handles, as well as asking for feedback, which is really, really important and sacrosanct since he is a minister He's he's a servant of the people. That's I ministers mean, like a servant, someone who's in service, right? In his most recent update on the 18th of September 2023, he talked about his attendance at several events on the sidelines of the 78th session of the UNGA 2023 and shares, you know, what many now consider as the core areas of tech. That he'll be focusing on as he participates with the global community at that event. And there are three major or core areas that he noted. That one is expanding the Universal Service Provision Fund, the USPF. And according to him, connectivity is a catalyst for progress. Yes, we all agree. And the goal is to connect a vast number of unserved and underserved communities in Nigeria, foster inclusivity, and ensure that every Nigerian benefits from the digital revolution. That's the first thing. So connectivity is chief. And telco, I just told you about telco and the contribution of telco to the Nigerian GDP. Uh, in the last eight years, it's been uh, from about 8% to about 16 to, uh, 16%. Uh, and that's a, a totally... Uh, beautiful news to hear that yes it's more like continuity and from 38 billion to 77 billion in second quarter of 2023 in 2015 it was uh eight percent and in 2023 we're talking 16 percent and this is Q uh, q2 reports when we're you know we're at q2 of 2023 now the second core area is positioning nigeria as a hub for ai training Nigeria brims with a vibrant pool of talent, potential, and innovation, and he aspires to put Nigeria on the global map as a premier destination for AI model training. So... He envisions capturing the nuances of dark data from the global south, ensuring that AI solutions resonate with a diverse spectrum of lived experiences. I really like this. I know that on Twitter, just a few weeks ago, Lavina, shout out to Lavina, she tagged me and she was like, hey, go check um, Bosun's post. It was just a few minutes after he posted it and she already tagged me. And then I tagged, you know, like five other persons I knew who were working with us at the and Artificial Intelligence on the code, who worked with us for the Coded Rights Report and are still working with us for the Blockchain and Human Rights Report and some other professors or doctors I, I, I know that are in that artificial intelligence space. Lecturers, yes? And... He said he was going to create, you know, more like a, li- a library, um, you know, something where a reference book where you can go in and find anyone who is doing anything that's related to AI or connected to AI in the country, Nigeria, both home and abroad. And he's also saying this too: um, a premier destination for AI model training. Maybe, you know, we might just now con- now start seeing that. The AI model thing not just has, you know, the um, global south or male dominant male, male white um, figures and voices and thought patterns and whatnot, but we start having Nigerian. And I hope that we can scale this across the continent so that we don't just have. You know, these AI models that are trained just by Nigerians for Nigerians and whatnot. And then we're now scaling Nigerian trained AI models to the rest of Africa. I hope that we can do this for Nigeria successfully and also replicate it across the continent. South Africa, Egypt, Kenya, Ghana, you know, everywhere across the continent. Now, the third core area is accelerating economic diversification through technology. Now, according to the agenda set forth by the president, Bola Ahmed Tunobu, Agenda is supposed to champion economic diversification brought about by tech application, yeah. And I know there are plans to create, I think, about one million, um, you know, tech related or technical jobs, and we're still thinking of how that's going to be done. the The boss, Nitsda boss, was met, uh, met with, you know, someone else in India just a few days back again, in you know, in line with ensuring that you know that plan, you know that very big announcement made by the president actually comes to fruition so these are the three main areas i'll run through them again first is expanding universal service provision fund and this is mainly around the digital divide bridging that digital divide ensuring that a lot of nigerians unserved and underserved are actually connected yeah connectivity and the second is a hub for ai training and the third is economic diversification through tech yes speeding up economic diversification through um, tech. We really hope that you know these collaborations and these discussions and partnerships with global leaders and stakeholders actually bring forward a brighter future, um, an inclusive future for Nigeria, and Nigerians Nigerians benefit from this the most. And it's not something that just um, benefits a few, but those who it's planned for the unserved, the underserved are the people who benefit the most from it. While Nigeria's president and his team uh, have their own three-point agenda, one-point agenda, five-point agenda, Kenya's president, William Ruto, just has a word or two. In one sentence, he says, Kenya is a full-package investment destination. And then he goes on, economically stable, entrepreneurial, secure, innovative and a favorable tax environment, skilled labor force, tech expertise, green energy credentials, and a gateway for six undersea fiber optic cables, providing reliable data connectivity, full package investment destination. William Ruto, Kenya's president was in Silicon Valley in San Francisco, the United States of America to woo American tech investors and companies to invest in kenya as part of a u.s kenya business road show just a few hours ago he opened or called you know opened yeah a kenyan restaurant in new york yes in the united states of america too and we'll just spend a few minutes to listen to the u.s ambassador to kenya meg whitman on why american investors should invest in kenya and then listen to william ruto as he addresses the investors and the techies a lot of things he would say in terms of like the tax environment people in kenya have complained in fact recently blockchain association of kenya went to court to challenge the legality of the digital asset tax that was introduced by the kenyan government through the 2023 finance act i talked about that here too and digital service tax also increased from 1.5 to 3 percent, and there was also a 10 percent excise duty on imported phones. Yeah, um, sc- skilled labor and poor labor laws it's like also a thing too. At the end of the first half of 2023 92.13 percent of the VC funding in Africa went to Egypt Kenya South Africa and Nigeria the top four countries with the highest population of software developers and this is according to BD funding Tracker and Africa developer um, ecosystem reports Kenya of course has a rich talent tech talent pool that's fourth on the list of African countries with the most professional developers and of course the recently finished Africa climate summit which was You know, carried on the backs of William Ruto in Nairobi will serve as a very, very, you know, great testament to the green economy and the credentials that he mentioned about, which is, you know, on the green energy credentials that he talked about. William Ruto was accompanied on the roadshow by Meg Whitman, U.S. ambassador to Kenya, who previously worked in the Bay Area as an executive at eBay, HP, Walt Disney, and Quibi. And we'll just spend a few minutes to listen to a few things they said and see why exactly, you know, they are looking towards, you know, the United States and Silicon Valley to push this particular narrative.
1: It's great to be back in San Francisco. Great to be back home. And I see some familiar faces and lots of new friends so welcome we're super excited that you're here today most of all I am really excited to talk to you about the growing economic partnership between the United States and Kenya by the time we are done this morning I hope you will share my optimism and enthusiasm it's also a great honor for me to share the stage this morning with my good friend the president of Kenya William Ruto Thank you for joining us here in San Francisco after a like 28-hour flight from Kenya. (laughs) But let me start with the bottom line. The U.S.-Kenya partnership is strong. Our relationship is built on 60 years of shared values, and our partnership has enhanced security, increased prosperity, and improved the lives of Kenyans and Americans. You know, since I arrived in Kenya, my team and I have been laser-focused on strengthening the U.S.-Kenya trade and investment relationship in coordination with the Kenyan government. And that is why I'm excited to be here today, building connections between two places that are close to my heart. Kenya, where I have the privilege to serve as the U.S. Ambassador, and Silicon Valley, where I spent decades working at the heart of the tech sector. So why Africa? Why Kenya? That's the topic of today's presentation. And I'll tell you something interesting. When I was CEO, both of HP and of eBay, I'll be honest, I probably thought about Africa about 1% of the time. The businesses I managed were heavily invested everywhere, everywhere else, and there was always a problem, a challenge in Europe, a challenge in Latin America, and we didn't think much about Africa. What I would tell you, if I knew what I knew now, and I was back in the boardroom or leading a company, I'd be thinking a lot about Africa and Africa would be on my radar for two simple reasons. First is supply chain diversification and net zero emissions. Let me underscore those two points. If the war in Ukraine and the COVID pandemic taught us anything in business, it's that single sourcing from any one country is probably not a very smart strategy. Single sourcing turned out to be a recipe for supply chain disruption and shortages. What the war in Ukraine and the pandemic did to spur supply chain diversification, climate change has done for energy use. Businesses are pushing for net zero emissions to meet their climate change mitigation goals. Kenya currently generates 93% of its electricity from renewable sources. And that percentage is only going to go up with more investments in wind, geothermal, and solar. If you invest in Kenya, you will have access to ubiquitous green energy, and you will be well on your way to meeting your company's scope 2 greenhouse emission goals. So if you have not thought about growing your business in Kenya recently, or you haven't invested in Kenya recently, ponder these words from the CEO of a major tech company that I had a conversation with about a month ago. He said, supply chain diversification is now an essential element of our business and so is the need to be totally green. And in that sense, Kenya seems to offer us a one-two punch. Now, some of you um, know me and you know that I love to muck around in the data. And I often say to our team, let's just dive into the data and see what we can learn. And at the embassy, we've been doing a lot of mucking around in trade and investment data. And what I've learned over the past nine months paints a much more dynamic business outlook for Africa than virtually any Americans really understand. And here are some data points that I found to be particularly interesting. So by 2050, one in four humans will live on the African continent, and one in three working age people will live on the African continent. Africa is the youngest continent in the world with 60% of the population under the age of 25. In my view and many others view, Africa is the last and largest emerging market and offers the last big supply chain and consumer prospects. It reminds me a lot of the opportunities Southeast Asia presented 20 years ago. So now you know why Africa should be on your radar. But let's zoom in on why Kenya should be your target destination. And here are some reasons. Kenya is the most stable democracy in Africa. Kenya is the gateway to the East Africa market of almost 500 million consumers. Kenya is the regional logistics hub. Kenya is the leading regional financial hub. And Kenya, with its Silicon Savannah and super smart engineers, is the region's ICT hub. <laughs> Kenya is a leading destination for foreign direct investment and venture capital. Kenya has a young, educated, entrepreneurial, and English-speaking workforce. And as I said, Kenya generates over 93% of its energy from renewable sources. And last but certainly not least, Kenya is the largest export. Mar- Kenya's largest export market is the United States. Just past Uganda. So let me repeat. I, I really, this is exciting. Kenya is large, Is Kenya's largest export market is the United States, and we think Kenya is ready for liftoff as it diversifies its economy. So let's unpack a couple of these. When I arrived in Kenya just days before the August 2020 election, 2022 general election, which proved Kenya's reputation as one of the most stable democracies in Africa. The elections were observed by international and local election organizations and the results were upheld by the Kenyan Supreme Court. Power was transferred orderly and peacefully. Kenya, as I said, is the gateway to East Africa. 80% of East Africa's regional trade passes through the port of Mombasa. In addition, Jomo Kenyatta is East Africa's busiest airport. Um, In Nairobi, it's served by 40 passenger airlines and 25 cargo carriers, including FedEx and DHL. FedEx just arrived in country about a year ago. Kenya also now has some excellent infrastructure, such as the standard gauge railway, a series of new roads, and modern ports. Kenya is already the regional financial hub for East Africa. Several international banks have had presence in Nairobi for decades. The region's largest stock market is in Nairobi. And the city hosts, importantly, the necessary legal, accounting, and consultancy services to preserve and accelerate that status. Now, one of the main reasons I brought the roadshow to the Bay Area is because Kenya's vibrant technology community, known as Silicon Savannah, is very exciting. And I know His Excellency is going to talk more about it. But the kenyan government is committed to establishing nairobi as the premier destination for the tech for tech sector innovation and investment many leading companies are already in kenya including the names that you see on the screen behind me but emerging and also hugely impactful kenyan companies like Klopia global semiconductor limit semiconductor technologies limited Tweega Foods, Market Force, Power Financial Wellness, Kiosk, Udu, and many electric vehicle startups are in Kenya, too. (laughs) Now, I have met these companies, I've visited their operations, and what I see happening has many of the critical components that will make Silicon Savannah a reality. At the nexus of finance and technology is one of the most impressive companies I've seen in my 30-year history in technology, and that's M-Pesa. Kenya's innovators invented M-Pesa in 2007, and by 2010, M-Pesa had become the largest mobile money network in the world. M-Pesa has annual revenues of over a billion U.S. dollars. There's 360 billion US dollars that flow through the platform, and it's an open API with 60,000 developers writing apps for M-Pesa. And what M-Pesa did, it solved one of the biggest problems in mobile money. Mobile, secure, ubiquitous, low-cost payments. M-Pesa has over 50 million customers in seven countries, is involved in 70% of Kenyan's transactions, powers over 5 million businesses, And catch this, 59% of Kenya's annual GDP flows through M-Pesa, 70% of Tanzania's GDP flows through M-Pesa. And you're going to hear from the CEO of uh, M-Pesa in just a few moments this morning. So let me tell you something, I know a little bit about this business because you might remember when I was at eBay we bought PayPal and I can assure you that M-Pesa is extraordinary. And PESA alone, I think, demonstrates the the brilliant business minds at work in Kenya that are devising African solutions to global problems. Kenya has also attracted significant foreign direct investment and is a leading destination for venture capital on the continent. While venture capital flows decreased by 35% globally last year, total funding in Africa actually increased by 8%. Even more impressive, when venture capital to Nigeria was down 36% and essentially flat in South Africa, funding to Kenya increased by 33%, one of the highest growth rates on the continent. And interestingly, unlike other African countries that attract primarily fintech-led investments, Kenya's venture capital investments are much more diverse, led by e-commerce, clean tech, followed by fintech, agritech, and enterprise investments. And what's even more unique for kenya in 2022 kenyan women founded startups raised 146 million dollars in equity again more than any country on the continent more than 90 percent of kenya's on-grid electricity as i said is currently generated from renewable sources primarily geothermal wind and solar it's amazing that Kenya has committed to reaching 100% renewable energy by 2030, and they are well on that way to that well on the way to that goal. Let me talk about workforce. Everyone knows the workforce is the key to everything, and Kenya has an English-speaking, high literacy rate, and strong primary, secondary, and tertiary education system. Every firm I have spoken to in Kenya, international firms I have spoken to in Kenya rave about the Kenyan workforce, and many say it is the best workforce that they have in the world. U.S., as I said, U.S., is Kenya's largest export market. In 2022, the United States became Kenya's largest export market, edging ahead of neighboring Uganda. In total, Kenya exports about $890 million in goods to the U.S. each year. But in addition, the United States exported about $600 million in goods to Kenya, $1.5 billion in total trade, which is relatively balanced. And it's expected to increase dramatically as Kenya and the US negotiate the first trade deal of its kind called the Strategic Trade and Investment Agreement. That is the first bilateral trade agreement on the continent between the United States and an African country. This agreement, we hope, will be a model for the rest of the continent once signed. All right, so now you know why I am so enthusiastic about Kenya and the Kenyan investment climate. However, I will note there is room for improvement, just like any country has room for improvement. The Kenyan government has made great strides and is committed to creating a business-friendly environment. But if it is to accomplish this goal, the government will have to address a few items. And the very first is taxes. Kenya must have a consistent, transparent, and fairly administered national tax policy to attract and retain foreign direct investment and accelerate economic growth. More work needs to be done to establish a durable tax framework but the government's recent finance law will help create a much more tax-friendly, tax-consistent environment. Without a doubt, corruption is also a critical issue and one that must be addressed for Kenya to reach its full potential. Corruption as everybody knows leads to misuse of public resources, slows economic growth and job creation and damages the investment climate. However, while corruption does remain a challenge in Kenya, as in other developing markets, interestingly, third-party measures of corruption indicate some positive trends and modest progress in recent years. I also know that President Ruto is serious about curbing corruption, calling out government agencies that engage in unscrupulous practices, and firing government ministers that are involved. Let's turn to debt for a second. Kenya, like many developing countries, is burdened with high debt, limiting its ability to fund public services and infrastructure in line with its ambitions. According to the IMF, Kenya's debt to GDP ratio is 69%, but this number is not actually an outlier among developing countries. For comparison, Malaysia's debt to GDP ratio is 69%, and India's ratio was 83% in 2022. Now let's turn to manufacturing. This is an excellent opportunity to put to rest the argument that Kenya is not a manufacturing country. True, Kenya has lots of room to grow in this sector, but manufacturing is definitely happening in Kenya. And let me tell you about a few that I think will particularly interest this audience. Gearbox is a high mix, low flow electronics manufacturer in Nairobi, runs a state-of-the-art surface mount assembly line. And they started in November of 2022 um, manufacturing Raspberry Pi's Pico products for the African market. Gearbox's quality uh, production quality meets or exceeds that of Raspberry Pi's other production sites in, catch this, Wales and Japan, with a first pass yield of 99.6%. Semiconductor Technologies Limited, called STL. A US-owned semiconductor manufacturing and nanotechnology company domiciled in Kenya is growing very rapidly and beginning first-pass runs of production. They've hired more than 80 engineers in the past two years, and I think this could be a big opportunity for Kenya. CCI Global, the largest business process outsourcing company in Kenya, is doubling its workforce to 8,000. In the next year, CCI will add 4,000 jobs in Kenya for companies like American Airlines, United Airlines, Spirit Airlines, JetBlue, AT&T, and Shipt. This could be the new destination for call centers, customer support centers, and business process outsourcing. There's also a robust and growing e-mobility manufacturing and assembly industry in Kenya. Kenya, I believe, is the future for Africa's two- and three-wheel e-vehicles and e-buses. And lastly, while we have mostly a tech-focused audience today, we also have several prominent apparel manufacturers here with us who will be happy to hear that Kenya has recorded its highest ever uh, apparel exports to the United States last year of over $540 million. U.S. apparel brands, leading U.S. apparel brands sourcing from Kenya include PBH, which includes Tommy Hilfiger and Calvin Klein. Contour, which includes Lee and Wrangler, with several more including Walmart and Levi's. And what we hear is these brands want more Kenyan apparel manufacturing because of the high quality of labor and Kenya's leadership in renewable energy. So these are just a few of the many examples I could go on listing. In addition to tech companies, U.S. apparel manufacturers, agribusiness, renewable energy investors and pharmaceutical companies are expanding operations in Kenya. And in a fun area, sports and entertainment groups from the NBA to the NFL to the Grammys are all looking for a foothold in Kenya. So these are the many reasons that I am so excited about what's happening in Kenya and why global businesses are considering or should consider Africa and specifically Kenya for foreign trade and direct investment. To conclude, I can tell you personally, Kenya is definitely open for business. And there's a reason why. According to Bloomberg in a recent article, Kenya is poised to be the Singapore of Africa. And that is a huge achievement. But I bet you would like to hear from the President of Kenya himself. So I'm delighted to be joined today by President uh, William Ruto, who has shown true commitment to strengthening the U.S. economic partnership and to shared prosperities between our two countries. Mr. President.
0: And of course, you heard from Meg Whitman. Mm -hmm. And of course, there are lots of things that happen on the the continent of Africa. Just as President William Ruto is in the United States of America, and is drumming up support for investments and partnerships you know to be brought into the East African country, Kenya. Nigeria's President Wa Ahmed Tunobu and his team are attending the UNGA, uh, yeah, the General Summit, 2023. And they're also talking about AI and talking about connectivity and talking about and making tech, accelerate development economic development because he's much more particular not just about getting those investments in because you know for a long time nigeria was like you know, the first spot for investment in tech but then how do we translate these investments into economic development yes and not just economic development but something that spores economic development something that brings about you know economic change and development and transformation for the people in Nigeria and I think these things are really really important now the video gaming industry in Egypt South Africa and Nigeria are on track to achieve a combined Two billion dollar value by the close of 2023, and Egypt is leading that park with an estimated 983 million dollars. And South Africa and Nigeria are coming in close, um, projecting revenues of about 558 and 483 million dollars respectively and we hope that you know this market that includes console games pc games mobile games and online games as well as the related hardware and accessories you know like the gaming consoles controllers and vr that's virtual reality headsets continues to grow and expand and become really 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 big now Bob Van Dyke, the chief executive officer, CEO of Process NV and NASPERS is leaving his position, resigning as chairman of the board and as head of the e-commerce investor. His resignation was effective September 18, 2023, and he's been CEO of NASPERS since 2014 and Process since the IPO process in twenty. 20- 2019, yeah? NASPAS 2014 and Process 2019. NASPAS is a South African internet tech and multimedia holding company. One of the largest investors and operators in the world of tech with interest in online retail publishing and venture capital investment. Now, EdTech, food industry, food delivery, classified ads, social gaming payments and fintech. These are all, you know, companies that or the industries where, Naspers has investments in and Naspers in 2019 spun off its international internet business to create Process NV, and which is now um, the majority owner of Naspers. He will continue that's Van Dyke, he will continue to work as board consultant for Process and Naspers till September 2024. And in the interim, Irvin, 2, the chief investment officer, will take over as CEO. And he actually moved from SoftBank to Naspers and Process just two years ago. And he held a position at Goldman Sachs, um, where he specialized in mergers and acquisition. And according to the statement that was released, this was a joint, like everyone agreed to it. Everyone on the board, you know, kind of agreed to it. And over a decade, and thanks to... Um, that's what the, the the board members are saying. That you know they thank Bob Bob Van Dyke um, for the time he spent and the businesses that were established. You know in classified food delivery and payments, while you know also getting into new fields totally. And this is really really you know painful yeah i heard that name like since the first day i set my foot into tech bob van dyke and process and naspers if you're in the tech space on the continent and you don't know naspers you don't like you don't know you haven't started yet <laughs> you haven't started yet well something else that's really interesting um and i think this would be the last story i'll be sharing before we get on to other things elon elon musk somehow implied while he was speaking to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, I like to call him Benoni, Benoni Netanyahu, while he was speaking to him, he implied that users may just start paying to use X, which, you know, people know as Twitter. In his words, he says, we're moving to a small monthly payment for use of the X platform. This is what he told Netanyahu, um, Israeli Prime Minister According to him, this is the only way to stamp out bots. And the idea is not entirely new. And he revisited the idea, you know, that was floated privately in the past. And this time is being publicly introduced or said. Very recently, X, formerly known as Twitter, introduced um, voluntary ID verification for premium subscribers. However, the service is not available to... Premium subscribers outside of the U.S. is only available to premium subscribers in the United States of America, and it appears that the platform would like to make verification mandatory. It's really clear that X seems to be struggling with revenue because over the years he's let go so he's let some people go in terms of you know sacking them. Yeah, he sacked a, a couple of persons, and he's introduced you know premium subscription or subscription on. Uh, on x you know formerly known as twitter but this particular one which is paying to even use we don't know how much yet for now it's going to cost like the minimum cost for using x formerly known as twitter if you know it's going to be spread out across everybody if it's going to be tested in a few periods first you know in a few regions first we have no idea what the details are but something is for sure elon musk has been cooking for a while and very soon he's actually going to get done that's what i'm very very sure of maybe you want to start thinking threads maybe just maybe meanwhile threads users you know base kind of like dropped in the past few weeks after the launch which was like massive like a total sellout a lot of people are doing less on threads and a lot of people haven't even visited threads since the first time it launched when they actually jumped on you know the cruise and the boat of the joneses but if this maybe you know finds its way to become a paid service like you can't use x without paying then we may just have to exhume you know, the corpse of threads and maybe, you know, put some fine and nice clothes to it and make it the new Twitter. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.